0: Now, this is asked after watching um, our series on, I think it's from BBK, on the King James Version, the preservation of scriptures, why we use the King James Version, um, because it's um, the, based on the um, preserved and perfect text. Now, he had this question, being um, convinced of it. Now, he says, now, if the NASB, the New American Standard Bible, is a corrupt version... Then, how is it possible for a person or an elder or a pastor to live a godly life and lead the church to godliness, even after using the corrupt version of the Bible? How can can they teach the church by using the corrupt version? So this person has a good question. Maybe sometimes you will face that yourself. you understand the question? So now, the other versions, we know they are based on corrupt texts. So these are corrupt versions. So you say, well, if, if you know, I, I know of godly pastors, godly elders, godly Christians, they live godly lives, right? Though they use the NASB, and also, um, well, they lead the church to godliness as well, so the church is also godly. How is it possible? How should I think, right? Now, then he also asked the second part, now, and how can they continue using um, corrupt version to... Teach the church, okay? So, two parts. Now, maybe i ask you, what do you think? Because your friends may ask you, right? They say, well, you know, you, you say that we, we use, you use the King James Bible and the other versions are corrupt, and you show me all those proof. Now, how is it that the pastor is godly? How is it that the elder and even the people in church are godly? And it's a godly church. How are you going to answer that? All um, right, who want to try? Uh, Claude. Okay, so it's possible. God is sovereign. God is in control, so He can still make the church godly. All right? Okay. So it should be okay to continue using it. <laughs> no? Hmm. Why don't we just say, oh, God, we use this, uh, and then you, your sovereign just keep us godly? You know, a bit complex, right? Uh, but not totally wrong, but we'll, we'll say more about that. Right? Thanks for that. Um, who else want to try? Uh, let me see, Shane. There's still truth in some parts, so they can still learn from that, all right? Um, yes, so one of the answers is, is really there. Now, the versions are corrupt, all right? But in there, it still contains, notice I say contains, not uh, No, it is, uh, it contains truth. So there'll be other parts, maybe many parts that are, well, the ideas are there, that is correct, right? So remember, the ideas are there, the teachings are there, so it's correct. So by and large, with that general understanding, and if they obey they still can be, well, godly in some aspects, right? So, and then why, why don't we just use it, if that's the case? Um, maybe, uh, Colin. Why don't we just use it then? right so well there are still verses in there about salvation that a person can come to know and be saved all right actually you can you can also read a storybook now our tracks our tracks are comics right? some of them are comics you can still read that and get saved right if there's a truth is there. the person accepts it the person can still be saved um, some of the fundamental truths are there uh, but when you get to deeper truths well then that is where the errors begin okay well actually even for some of the fundamental truths one of the problem is um, they also get corrupted because like Christ right the Trinity right it gets deleted right that he um, God was manifest in the flesh they would change it to he was manifest in the flesh then Jesus is no longer God he's just he right so some of this gets a bit more complicated as well Um, so Now, then why don't we use it? This is exactly the whole point. Just because you get saved, you can get saved by it, if there is that truth there and you accept it, just because there are truths in there that help you to well obey God. Now, it doesn't make it safe for the rest of your Christian life, all right? As pointed out, there are other parts, other doctrines that are important. Now, when the Christian began to look at all this. We must remember one principle. It's never about, well, I can get saved, I can um, be good. It ultimately, as we've been studying in BBK, the preservation of God's word is always about God's what, Kelvin? The doctrine of preservation of God's word is always about God's... About God's word. <laughs> no. Benedict. It's always about God's glory. It's always about God's glory. So the Christian must not imbibe an attitude, a mindset that, well, if, it's safe, if people still can get saved, we still can, well, live the Christian life um, to a good extent according to it, then let's not make a big deal out of it. All right? Well, a few things are involved. Now, let's turn to, um, let's turn to Psalm 138, verse 1. All right, Psalm, sorry, Psalm 138. Now, verse 1, um, let us read um, verse 2 together. Verse 2, I will worship toward thy holy hill, thy holy temple, and praise thy name for thy loving kindness, and for thy, right, for thy truth, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Now, the name of God is his character, his glory. If God says, I magnify my word above my name, now, the word of God has to do with his glory. Now furthermore, let's turn to Psalm 12, which we are very familiar with. Psalm 12. Now let's read verses um, 6 to 8, which is very familiar to us. Reading, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times, Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Alright. So, 6 and 7. Now, here God says His words are pure, silver, uh, silver, silver. It means very pure. Purified seven times perfect. Then He says, Thou shalt keep them, when? From this and preserve them. Not just keep but preserve. Then He says, from when? From this generation forever. It means the Word of God tells us this is what God does. And to say that, no, we do not know the words. Some are lost. Some, we will never know exactly which are the exact words because it's not perfect, all right? Maybe this, maybe that. Now, to say that is to call God a liar. To say that is to say, well, God did not and could not do what he promised. So it's not just about King James Version, all right? It's about the glory of God. It's not about just you get saved. Then it becomes, well, how we decide whether we should use something or not use something, depends on whether it saves people or not, then it's man that is glorious. It's about man, right? If it, if it, if it helps man, then it doesn't matter. If God is maligned, right? So it, it always goes back to that. Now, but come back to this question as well. Now, if NSB is corrupt, how is it then possible a person or elder or pastor live a godly life and, a, and the church is also godly? Now, the question always is this, what is godly? What is godly? So Christians have to ask, now, what is godly? now if a church for example is well very active in evangelism very active in well works of mercy um, very active in 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 doing a lot of things all right very vibrant in that sense now does it mean that it is a godly church and very often the world looks at well godly as just morality morality all right maybe even like it's a conservative church they don't listen to Um, use contemporary christian music well they still hold to conservative values about many things that Christians hold to it's just a very well moral church i'm not saying that this person's church is like that but whenever we assess well you know these churches they use the modern english versions but they are godly the question is what is godly what is godly maybe i ask what is godly vincent what is a godly church? Reverence, and piety. reverence God. Piety. piety. There is piety, holiness. All right? Yes, is, is reverence to God. There's holiness. Now, you can't say that a church is godly and rever, rever, God, reverence God when it calls God a liar. You cannot escape this. All right? So you may say, Pastor, you're using very strong words that these people are calling God a liar. Now, you cannot run away from the fact when you open these Bibles you look at their comments you look at their preface they will constantly bring up this verse should not bear, be there then why is it in the Bible this word this whole passage should not be there now if you tell someone I will give you a preserved and perfect book and then after the people get that book they Choose, all right? They choose to go and use a corrupt book. Someone who corrupted your book. They choose to use that, but they call you a liar, all right? They, they just say, no, 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 everything is wrong. This and wrong, that wrong, this wrong, that wrong. How would you feel? You will feel that you are maligning me, all right? I told you I will, and I did give you. You don't want to use that. And then you say, oh, we don't have the perfect word. You are maligning me. You will feel that way. So it is nothing short of people calling God a liar. So you say godly, means you reverence God. You cannot say that when you say, then God did not preserve his word, for example. Right? So we have to define what is godliness. Now what is godliness? Godliness is like Christ, right? Turn to, turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 18, quickly. Matthew chapter 5, verse 18. Godliness is you are godlike. Then you are like Christ. Matthew five eighteen. Now, if you're like Christ, then you say what Christ say, right? Let's read um, um, verse eighteen together. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. This is a promise that the smallest stroke of the Hebrew alphabet the smallest stroke of an, a letter in God's Word, they will always be there. They won't be lost. This is a promise of God. So if you say, well, a church is godly, then it depends, then the church must view the Bible as Christ, what Christ said about God's Word. Now, when a church may, have, may be very vibrant in evangelism, outreach, Teaching the word and all that. Now those, I'm not saying for a moment those are bad. But let's read verse 19. Reading. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so that he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. What is God's view of whether a church, a person is great or the least in the kingdom? Please understand also, we do not say that people who use the modern English version cannot be saved and are not saved, all right? We never claim that. It is not true. Now, God says, anyone who teach and do these things, teach, do what? All that he has said so far, all right? In the Beatitudes. But also, well, teach. Now, the the immediate context before this teach was one of the things that Christ said. I did not come to destroy the law. I come to fulfill right and it says the word of god will be perfect always anyone who does not teach this will be in the kingdom if you are safe you'll be least in the kingdom all right so what is in god's eyes um, great godly is this not only obedience but accept and teach the fact that not one job and title will pass away nothing will be lost Nothing will be, well, it's out there, but we don't know which one. What's the point of God saying this, if that were the case? Alright, so understand all these things. People do not like, some BPP churches do not like this VPP doctrine. They keep saying it divides. You want to be a godly church? You want to be like Christ? Then teach it. Uh, accept it. So doing a lot of things can look godly. But one of the tests, one of the tests is this. Now turn please um, to 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15. 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15. What is a godly church? What should be the church which is the house of the living God? 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15. First Timothy 3, 15. Now reading. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Now, the church is supposed to be the pillar and ground of the truth, not just evangelistic, which God expects, not just, well, have works of mercy, which God expects, not just having, well, very um, close fellowship, love one another, Be hospitable to one another god expects all those things are there but god also says that the house of the living god which is called the church is what the description is the pillar and ground of the truth the church is not the truth eh? please remember that the church is the pillar and ground of the truth means it the pillar upholds the pillar holds up lifts up right the the foundation the ground movable. All right? Unmovable. So that is what the church is supposed to be. So when we say, well, you know, why do we make a big issue of that?" This church is very godly, No, They are more vibrant than us. Their evangelistic program is better than us. Yes, shame to us. All right? They, they are, they are, um, um, they, they have more Bible studies than us. All right? Yes, shame on us. But the question is this. Just because they have these things that are better than many other churches, is it a godly church? You have to go back to biblical definitions. It must be the pillar and ground of the truth. If it doesn't uphold the truth but tear down the truth, doesn't, doesn't have a solid foundation but shaky, like maybe it's this, maybe it's that, it depends on how you want to view it, then it is not the church that God expects in his eyes. All right. So I think it's important that we, we learn um, not to judge as men judges, all right Not to judge as men um, judges. Now, what is um, expected of the church? Ephesians four fourteen. Let's turn it. Ephesians chapter four verse fourteen. Ephesians chapter four verse fourteen. let's read together reading that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in lie in wait to deceive right so here we are told um, in verse 13 how do we come to a perfect man the perfect unto the measure of a stature of fullness of Christ. What is a godly man? What is um, a fullness and stature of Christ? What is Christ-likeness? In a a wonderful example, well, the warning is then don't be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Until today, they cannot agree what is God's word. They argue among themselves, this is God's word. No, I, I think your interpretation of this verse should be God's word. This version should be the correct, the best version. All right? so you hear all this. Now, this is not godliness at all. So, don't look at godliness just as morality, conservative church, dress very conservatively, um, I do conservative things, teach conservative doctrines. The pillar and ground of the truth is an important test of godliness. Alright? So, how can uh, uh, the uh, one teach, how can they teach the church by using corrupt version? Well, to that, I answer this. Now, there are two kinds of people that, that continue to use the corrupt version. One is ignorance, all right? So many, they hear, they, they, they hear the doctrine of preservation. They say, of course this must be right. How foolish I am, all right? And then they change, all right? They move out. FEBC is an example, all right? The Bible College has always been um, um, teaching and has been taught textual criticism, Higher criticism. It came a point where the founder, Reverend Timothy told he came to the realization now, the more I study, this doesn't make sense. Then he realized that the whole battle of per- verbal plenary preservation has already been fought for a long time in other continents. Then he read up and said, This makes sense, All right? And so there are those that are ignorant, they know, they learn, and then they move out of it. There are those that continue to use it with full knowledge of such issues. Bible college lecturers all right, fully know this, argue this, argue against preservation, so they know about this. But they choose, out of pride, whatever it is. We can decide what is God, so we have, the, we have the intelligence and ability to help God preserve his word and decide which are his words. We must help God for whatever reason, Right? They choose to continue in that. They intently go into church with the intent to change the church out of the King James version, which is based on the perfectly preserved text. Right? There are those who are intentional. So how can they? Well, there are two kinds of persons. One can because they're ignorant. Another can because they truly believe that God's word is not preserved, and they must convince you of that. All right. So, well, I hope that. Um, John seven twenty four closes this issue. Lesson to John seven twenty four, John, chapter seven. Verse twenty four. John seven. Twenty four, reading, judge not, according to appearance. But judge, righteous judgment. Alright? So the Christian must not just go by appearance. Conservative, nice people, very active. I'm not saying those things are bad at all. all Alright? But it's just appearance. What is righteous judgment? What the Word of God says is a godly Christian. What the Word of God says, a godly church includes. Alright? You must judge righteously. We are not being um, um, unkind and... Um, seeking to tear down other people and all that, we are simply saying, God says the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. God says, um, now, actually I need to turn with you to Second Timothy chapter two verse two. What is righteous judgment? Second Timothy chapter two, verse two. Now let 's read together, reading. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Now, what is righteous judgment? It's what God says should be done, right? The meaning of righteous. This is what should be done. The Bible tells us now, the things that we've heard from scriptures, from the apostles, which is, well, God um, and and the prophets, God gave us a perfect, God gave us his perfect word and he will preserve it. And it's a pillar and ground of the truth. Then we must commit. Commit to faithful men. Teach the truth. All right? So now all these are things that are included in being a sound and godly church. So we must judge based on that. Don't say that, well, we are being um, holier than thou. We say other churches are not good and all that. We are just simply saying this. Now, we want you to, to uphold God, exalt God with us. We want you to teach um, that God is not a liar and God can preserve his. We just want you to teach that about God. All right, come on board with us. What is so wicked about that, right? Okay, so I hope that that helps us ourselves here to rationalize that. Don't, don't keep saying, you know, but those churches are this, are that, are this, are just righteous judgment. But don't just want to judge people, all right? But if you're asked, then this is the reality. We have to look at things objectively and righteously, okay? Now, the next question is this. In the Bible, we are commanded to be sober. Can we take any medications if it has side effects that make us not sober? For example, cough syrups, painkillers, morphine. Right, so the person said, I know that the general answer is we apply principles and if a person is sick, we still ought to preserve life. But my question would be what gives the authority to us that in some situation we must be sober and in some situations we are allowed to take drugs which result in drowsiness. Is it just common sense or just a general practice? Right, so what do you think? You understand the question, right? So can we take painkillers, syrups, morphine, because that makes us um, uh, uh, not sober, that makes us a bit drowsy, if not very drowsy. So why is it that it's okay when, when it's a person that is sick uh, to preserve life? What gives us the authority? that This one is okay. All right? Other cases, not okay. How do you answer? May I ask the young ones, all right? Uh teens. teens. How come so few teens? Teens, teens, teens. Uh, Maggie, teen, <laughs> Maggie, teen. All right? Maggie, Why do you think your Christian friends ask you, Maggie? I think I know that you don't believe in um, drinking alcoholic beverages, but but your dad, your dad administers morphine into people, and your dad gives people painkillers and cough syrups. Your dad is naughty. <laughs> How would you answer the person? Why is it okay? Why why when your dad does it, it's okay? Okay, look, I picked the right one. <laughs> he said, yeah, I know. So you say, if you get better, then it's okay. Then other, other times it's not okay. Well, now, it is, it is what it is, all right? Preserving life, getting better, preserving life. Um, and when a person is sick, it is what it is. Now, it's the principle that we apply the same way as we apply the Sabbath. Now, turn to Mark chapter 2 the other person is sick, he needs it to get better. So Mark chapter 2. Okay. Mark chapter 2, 23 to 24. Let's read together. Mark chapter 2. Twenty-three to twenty-four. And it came to pass that he went through the cornfields in the Sabbath day. And his disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of the corn. And the Pharisees said unto them, unto him, Behold, why do they do on Sabbath day that which is not lawful? Alright? Now, then Christ answered in verse 25. And he said unto them, Have ye never read what David did when he had need and was and hungered? And and they, they were with him. Now, here in verse 27, Christ says, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Now, what was God Christ teaching them? Um, the principle of, now, what is needed for life? All right? For, for life. Now, we should not use this for excuses. After we we'll see that, right? Now, then there is another one. Mark 3, 4 to 5. Mark chapter 3, 4 to 5. They are hungry. They are faint. Chapter three, verse four to five. Reading, and he saith unto them, Is it lawful to do good on Sabbath, Sabbath days, or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they held their peace. All right. So here, here they held their peace. They knew they can't answer that. All right. To preserve life, um, to save life, it is not an evil thing. All right. To allow life to 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 End up in death or severe um, danger. Now that is not the principle. Okay, so there is a principle. So the person asks, now. On what authority do we say that it's okay for the person to take something that will make the person not sober? On what authority? You well, know, this is the authority. All right. Um, the principle is well, preserve life, care for life, save life. All right. So those are principles that are not wrong. So there's there's one way we can. Apply this now, um, but even medical science, all right, is wise enough to say now this is not a blanket um, um, approval to do as you wish. I remember when I had, when I went for a colonoscopy and then they had to put me under GA, right, Um, and then when I woke up. they waited very long for me to be a bit more sober right, from, from the drowsiness of the general anesthesia that make me not clear in mind. Then one of the things that they repeatedly um, said to, to Sharon and me is, in the next, I think it was 24 hours, in the next 24, was it 48 hours, you are not supposed to sign any legal documents. Right? Even they acknowledge that. We administer this to you because it's needed. right? But we are not saying that. Well, there's no nothing you need to worry about. Even they are aware that even when you're under this, you need to be very conscious that you should not drive. You endanger other people's lives. You should not sign any any contracts, right? Because you're not clear in your mind. And even for morphine, right, is works of mercy. Um, it's only for extreme cases of pain, right? It's not like everybody asks for morphine, you get it. Colin, can I have some morphine? He said, no, right? Are you, are you like in so much pain, like right? your pain is 11 out of 10? That kind of thing. So it's after a severe operation. Now I remember even for me, right, after my major operation, I had this morphine. It, it, stuck to me and it's like this little dispenser, and then morphine gets into you. It relieves the pain. It's so painful, right? It's like, wow, you think you can go all the time and go higher? No, it's limited. It's limited. They tell you, right? How many pumps? all right? You, you, you control yourself. You know yourself. So it is also not like just without any constraint, right? So example of that, um, and so on. Painkillers, um, um, cough syrups. You have to exercise. Um, you have to exercise some of this um, understanding. It's not just say just because it's okay, then everything is fine. Even in those boxes they were put, right? Cough syrup, painkillers. you say, well, if you. If you drive, don't take this. Take this at night when you're going to sleep. All that kind of things. So, on what principle? Yes, the principle is there in the scriptures, but it is not a warrant to just take it and be addicted to it. Use it like an addiction and give an excuse. I'm not well. A little pain, I need morphine. That kind of thing. So, the Christian should be honest about that. Now, what are some spiritual lessons to learn? Now, should we say that a Christian um, should always take syrups, cough, cough, medicine, painkillers? You um, have a cough, just take, you know, that kind of thing. Doesn't mean that we should just tell Chris, Christian there's nothing wrong, just take. However, what do you think? Your son has some cough, take. You understand my question? No. Why no? Sometimes what? Sorry. So, so let your body fight it. <laughs> Cough. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. Don't know whether your son watching this or not. Benedict. Uh, no, not Benedict. Uh, Kelvin. Uh, not Kelvin. Uh, Nathan. you don't understand the question, that's the easiest way out. Not enough time, so I'll ask another one who understands the question. Uh, uh, Susan? Mm-hmm. There might be spiritual reasons why you may not encourage. Say again? Okay. Guess, uh, exercise what? Human responsibility, oh, exercise human responsibility. Since we learned that this morning, right? All right. So check: Are you honest? <laughs> now Now, um, yes, to a big extent, exercise human responsibility. Now, all those these things are for well. Is is sanctioned for for sickness, preservation of life, need for medical. Um, um, help and all that is there but we should exercise human responsibility in what sense for example now I hear of some people who used to be very addictive addicted addicted to um, some of this medication they use it right in younger days they use it to get high they can get drugs so they use some of this to get high right um, and now if you're such a one who have that problem addiction to some the you, you used to abuse these things. Now, then you have to exercise carefulness, right? Um, I hear of people who used to be ex-drug addicts, right? Um, some of them, they are very afraid of some of this medication. It brings back a lot of what they used to sense that they were used to be addicted to. So you say, I, I'd rather have cough, you know, unless I'm, I'm going to die of a cough. If it pass, it will pass, right? So sometimes people may feel, you know, I, I'd rather not because it, it conjures up a lot of those things and I'm afraid that I start to abuse these things again, right? So you don't say, ah, no, 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 no. The principle is this, just take, just take. Sometimes we have to be, uh, we also have to exercise um, wisdom and understanding as an individual, exercise human responsibility, all right? We can also not, we should not also go to the other extreme, right, human response, you're in severe pain, all right, and then you just like, Howard, just take it, uh, let the body heal by itself, all right, that kind of thing, uh, no, I'm just kidding, right? I know what you mean, all right, sometimes it's good, just let it heal instead of everything turn to something that, that, that now you become to be addicted, addicted to it, you cannot sleep, pop in sleep, sleeping pills, just keep popping sleeping pills, and then you become addicted, I think that's what you mean, right, learn to pray, learn to trust in God, learn to overcome these things, Um, also and not just expose yourself to unnecessary potential of some of this um, abuse of substance, right? So that's all I can say about this. I hope it helps the person have some understanding. So these things are not sinful. Exercise your responsibility and be honest that it is truly needed, okay? All right, so that's all the time we have for today. I hope that um, some things are established. Now, let us all turn to God in prayer.